0: who just don't work as fast just don't seem to work as fast offensively or defensively and uh, Ryan Ellis is the by far the exception Uh, also in the in the Canucks game the sort of de facto new fourth line uh, of Derek Grant Cody McLeod and uh, Harry Zolner Zolnerchuk um, did not play well in that game Uh, they came off that game against the Avalanche where people were praising them and all of a sudden they came back to earth and they weren't very good not a surprise None of those guys are ever going to be very good. I mean, it, it's one of those things. Yeah, goals are how you win
1: games. And how you get goals, that's fantastic. If Grant McLeod goes out there, scores a goal, great. Helps the team to win a game. But if they're... That's like a you know, 15, 20-second sequence. And if they're bad for 9 minutes and good for 20 seconds, and they play 9 minutes and 20 seconds a night, you know, you got lucky, and that's great. And you take that, and you run with it, and you feel joy. But I mean, they're just—they're there to pick up penalty minutes, and punch yeah. things, and and react on bench and have teeth missing.
0: It's just, it just—it makes you uncomfortable when they're when they're getting offensive starts and still playing in, in neutral zone starts and and being actually relied on to like kind of jolt the team and generate some sort of offense or at least possession. That's that doesn't make you feel good, especially with numbers like this. Cody McLeod negative negative eight uh, shot attempt uh, differential. Um, Derek Grant negative twelve check 10. And that's going up against fourth line guys. That's going up against Brendan Gauntz and Michael Caput. Cap- Caput? Chaput? Caput? Caput? Cap- Chapu? Chapu? Maybe. Write Chapo? us in and tell us what you think, how you think that name is pronounced.
2: Callin' all freaks.
0: And welcome back to the show that's just Full of all stars. You're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by on dot I'm here with uh, Link, all star, all star Predcaster. I feel like a little like John Scott, though. Oh no, no, you're you're. Um, hmm, who Just, are you? I don't. Wanna, you're not Patrick Kane. Don't worry. You <laughs> no, are. We'll, we'll end this show right now if you want to call me Patrick <laughs> Kane. You're you're a classic all star. You're you're the John Tavares. That's that's what you are. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to New Jersey, or Long Island after this. Yes, right. And we're also here with Maria. She is, um, hmm, who are you? You are, who'd you like to be?
3: I'll be the Taylor Hall of this thing, because okay. I'm the. I'm basically the best player that, that my, the team can manage to send.
0: And I'm Adam Larson, the guy that replaced Taylor Hall and, and no one likes. Is he in the All-Star game? No, no, he's not. Okay, because I'm like, he's been bad. <laughs> but arguably, I shouldn't be on the broadcast. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, there's... It, Never start a show fishing for compliments. No, no, no. I I, I, look. Uh You think Adam Larson doesn't fish for compliments in in Edmonton?
1: I could just imagine how sad that must be. Just standing, he just stands outside. It's not Rex. Where are they now? What's the new
3: name of the new place? Rogers
0: Place.
1: Rogers Place. That sounds like a TV show. He just stands outside, like handing out like signed Larson T shirts,
0: being like, "Love me, yeah, love me, exactly, love me." Um, well, we have a lot to talk about. With um, the Predators played three games this week, they got five out of a possible six points, which is great. Crazy. They are in third place at the All Star break. I think most of us would probably be okay with that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, frankly, is is second place even reachable at this point? Well, I, I would say you know a month ago probably not, but the Blackhawks are trending down. That's, 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 there's a pretty big gap. Yeah, uh, it's I mean, I'd love I'd love to see it, but that's a that's a big gap. But beating a team like
0: we'll talk about, you know, beating a team like Minnesota. Yeah. That helps a ton, a ton. For sure. I mean, but a ton. I mean, one, one, you know, they're sitting in third, but, you know, with the Blackhawks trending down, the Blues seem to be doing the same thing. The Stars have basically bottomed out, um, maybe even sellers at the trade deadline. The Wild are clear far and away the best team. Um, are they a lock to win the Central, you think? Or I mean, unless the Blackhawks
1: can surge at the standings, I mean, somehow, somehow, Boudreaux continues to be like, yeah. I am that good. I mean, it's crazy. I, I doubted him. I totally doubted him. He's done it everywhere he's gone. At the beginning of the season, I was like, nope. It's going to finally break the, the Boudreaux magic. <laughs> and lo and behold, they have this lock on first place in the Central. And I don't understand. I mean, that roster is not great. So that just tells me Boudreaux is that good of a coach.
3: Yeah. Link kind of stole basically everything I was going to say about Minnesota. The I'm so Boudreaux sorry. Magic. It's okay. But. I don't think there's any way that the Chicago or anybody else is going to unseat them from the top spot. The t- the division's just not really that good right now.
0: Right. Yeah. It, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that the only thing that ma- that makes me think Minnesota doesn't have a lockdown is. It um, is just in general, they're they're sort of piecemeal offense, but they're getting production from guys that, they, you know, that have they've been waiting to get production from guys like Zach Breezy, And finally, it's it's actually paying off. And you never know with injuries. I mean, if if Devin Dubnik goes down for any length of time, all of a sudden there's a huge crack in that armor. Well, I think there's also maybe a concern of of fatigue. I mean, most a lot
1: of their key players are older players. And, you know, you look at, at how Chicago has found success in the postseason. It's that they do well enough to get there and then they pick it up. They they just totally can get a high gear. To win the division, you you can't really coast for the most part unless you are that talented and have that good of a coach. And And, you know, prime... Uh, you know the, the very pinnacle of what Chicago had achieved with Quinville, they could do that. They could kind of achieve both. And now we're kind of seeing Chicago without having, that, having both elements. They still have the great coach and they still have good players, but they're lacking the massive eliteness they had top to bottom. Right. I think you kind of have maybe uh, that similar thing in uh, Minnesota. You have Boudreau, who's basically his, – his system is so good and he's so adaptable to other teams that he can take this roster – that's got some nice pieces. I mean, we can't. I mean, we we we, sure. make, we make a lot of fun of Minnesota. <laughs> Nashville loves to make fun of Minnesota, and that's never going to change. Uh, but he, you know, I just worry. You know, the, the team like that hits the playoffs, and they're going to be a little worn out against a really passionate bubble team. It's a weird sentence. A Passionate wildcard team. Let's, let's change yeah. up the wildcard team. <laughs> um, and it, it, you know, it could be a, a quick exit for a team like that. But it'll be really interesting to see. If that's the case,
3: yeah, I think that might be sort of the flip side of what Bruce Boudreaux does. Is he rides his team so hard, you know, to win his division? They just fizzle like in the first or second round.
0: I mean, I could so easily see a team like St. Louis or Chicago getting matched up with them in the first round and being a better team in, in six games, maybe seven games. Um, so, speaking of that, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about the the week this past week from the Predators, and that started last Sunday while we were actually on the air. Um, against the wild uh the predators pull out what i think is probably their best one of the season um considering how it started and where they came to do that uh, where they, where they how they came back from a 2-0 deficit to beat the wild in their own house what do, you, do you guys agree well, with that? How much fun
1: was it really, though? Because as, as you said, Alex, we were recording while the game was going on. I think I called out that the Predators were down 2-0. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we wrap up recording. We're already like, oh, they're 2-0 against the Wild. Number one team in the Central. Kind of resign ourselves already. And then by the time we're settling in for the evening and having dinner, Predators will have, you know, are winning the game.
0: Right. I mean it's we don't even I don't even know what happened with the first two goals cuz we were literally talking about other stuff at the time. Granlin scored and Pomerville scored within like 10 minutes like the first 10 minutes. And from then on though, from the second period on, the Preds owned possession and at this point to do that, they had to own basically a 2 to 1 edge in in shot attempts the rest of the way and they did. So first James Neal gets on the board. Um this is the play where uh Rivero kind of goes down the boards. Ryan Souter like lost his stick and then kind of like takes forever to go back behind the net and get it. And uh, James Neal just has plenty of room. Uh, so Ryan Souter, I'm not really sure what he was doing. I guess he just figured, well, the only way for me to defend is if I use my stick. He was thinking about farming, <laughs> tractors. <laughs> he had to go get. He had to go till the soil. Um, so, <laughs> and I, there was also a quote from from James Neal and, uh, that I thought was pretty funny uh, about that particular goal where he, I forget the exact quote, but basically he said something like. I knew Mike Rivera was going to pass me the puck. So he's just always ready to shoot. Yeah. It was something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm trying. Now I wish I could remember off the top of my head.
3: Yeah, Neil carried the puck into the zone and chipped it over to Ribeiro, who passed it back for Neil to shoot. And Neil said that he knew he was going to get it back because Ribeiro wasn't going to that's, shoot.
0: That's what it was, yeah. He knew, he knew that Ribeiro wasn't going to shoot. He, I mean, to be fair, Ribeiro I, wasn't really in a great position to shoot, but he, he never is because he never tries to get into a position <laughs> to shoot. So Neil scores. It's 2-1. to one, And then early in the third period it was the Forsberg show because Forsberg first off the draw gets, uh, you know, Victor Arvidsson gets a shot. There's a rebound in front and Forsberg deeks, um, uh, Darcy Kemper and, uh, scores on him. And then a few minutes later, a little, little while later, he rips a shot from the angle that got a deflection. in. so it was three, two before you could even really know what was going on. And Forsberg has, I think at that time it was his 14th goal. Um, it's 3-2, to two, and then uh, the Wilder pulling together the resources and trying to score, and Ryan Pulling Johansson, together the resources. That's what they call it. <laughs> yeah, they were, <laughs> they were pulling together resources. They were trying to pull money from one account to another, and... and uh, Transaction
1: fees? No! Yeah,
0: right. And uh, then Ryan Johansson um, scores the r- ridiculous shot of the year with uh, this, this long bank shot off the, uh, off the glass and in. And it's 4-2, to two, and it's, uh, it's a final. Predators win 4-2. So best one of the year? I I think that was
1: a, as far as the central and just picking up points, I mean, that's so important. Um, you know, it, it continues to give me the, the the sense of concern about the Predators being a a two-period team. The question is, which two periods are you going to get out of them? Uh, a lot of nights, it seems like the third period, they sort of decide to, you know, relax a little bit and, and then struggle. I mean, we've seen that. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that just down the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's always good to show the resiliency, but you know it still says, "Hey, they're, they need to be coming out and, and playing three periods successfully." And uh, but hey, surging back four goals, getting two from Forsberg. I really, I mean, and the guys who scored—they're the top line scores. You want to be sco- You want to see this from, yep, and that's fantastic because. Four goals. I mean, what, what were we talking about last week? It was the kind of the lack of of scoring, the, the scraping by with a goal or two here or there. And now it's sort of turned back around, and, and that's a huge boost, just confidence for the players.
3: So, yeah, they scored, what, four goals every single game this week? Is that right? That
0: uh, is correct. Nice. Yes, they did. Yep. Well, it depends on whether or not you count the uh, – wasn't there one that was not counted? We'll, we'll get to that. But, yeah, four goals four goals in every game this week. Uh, I can't even really think of a, ga- of a game that comes close to being as, as big of a win as that one uh, just right now, I guess – no, I I really I agree. Matter,
1: but. No, I, I agree though because it was Minnesota because of their position in the standings because you know there's sort of this is where the Minnesota fans kind of expect their team to be. They like we're the state of hockey. We our team should eventually be at to the top. We have got the new shiny coach. We had yeah. parisian and Suter. I mean, we're supposed to be better than this. And now they are in the standings. I I think kind of anytime you can you can you can knock them a little bit. It's it's just healthy. Keeps perspective. Um, and gives a little boost, like I said, gives a boost to the team because they, they need to come out and beat these guys regularly.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah, beating Minnesota when. They've been having their, like, Minnesota, you know, game plan. They get it, come out with a quick lead, and then they just sit back and just sort of, like, defend against it. And usually, especially when they're playing in Nashville, that always works. But being able to actually double them up in shots and take the win from them at home is awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the Predators move on from Sunday night, coming away with two huge points. Then they come home, and they've got two games against the Sabres and against the well, Blue Jackets. Um, the Blue Jackets have been kind of a 500 team since that crazy 15 game win streak and the Sabres are in the basically the basement of the East. Now they're not a bad team. They're They're they're, they've got some great pieces and we saw that Tuesday, but before we get started on the Sabres game, I have to, I have to ask link, were you able to cope with what was statistically the worst game of Soros, young career on Tuesday? Were you able to cope with that? Yeah, I was fine. He's, he
1: is, he is a resilient little guy. He's going to always bounce back. And, uh, you know, I, can I go ahead and, and make a comment about, about the game? Because I have, a yeah, con, I have like, my big feel, thing about the game. Feel free. Because I was, you know, doing the thing, going over charge, seeing where, where the goals were being scored. And the Predators through the season still have not solved one of their biggest problems. And that is they are absolute garbage at protecting the front of the net. Like, if, if a team can effectively and continuously crash the net for 20, 30, 40 minutes, however much they can keep that momentum going and going in hard – the Predators just cannot handle that. The team just will give up the goals. They will leave the goal turn out to dry because there's only so much a goalie can do when they're being jabbed at with sticks and, and there's no room for them to move. And that's a lot of what we saw in Buffalo because you, you look at the shot placement and those four goals were all yeah. below the circle right in front of the paint. That's where the defenseman from the from Nashville should be shoving guys around. should be poking the puck away. should be doing things. And it just... You know, instead they end up giving away a ton of shots and four goals from a very dangerous, dangerous area where they should not yeah. be doing either of those
0: things. Zimgus Gergensens, Brian Gianta and Ocposo all were like just right there in front of them. All him. of them. I mean, look pro- at the shot chart. Aiko probably- was there,
1: Gianta was there. I mean, and, and there were so many shots... Um, to to Sarus's left yeah. at that range, that I can't even read the names on the shot chart. <laughs> it yeah. is so dense.
3: Marcus Foligno was not a good player, but you let him stand between Yusei Saros' legs the entire night. Somebody's yeah. going to score.
0: I think. I think so much of it is they they were anticipating. I think what it was with this particular game, and this is also a trend the rest of the year. I think they were so ready to take advantage of a pretty weak uh, Buffalo defense outside of outside of Ristolane, and There's not much back there. So ready to take advantage of that that they were just vacating, ready for the turnover to go the other way. Yeah, and there's just too much of that going on.
1: Yeah, and it, it makes sense. I mean, that that strategy doesn't make sense because if you look at the time and, and how guys are positioned, especially in the PK where the Predators picked up two goals, the, like all pretty much all the PK minutes go to Kulikov and ristalainen You know, there's a few guys who get thrown out there for just a little bit here and there, but the vast majority of the minutes are going to two guys. And they're gonna be tired, especially when you're after scoring goals on them. They're and get tired and frustrated on the
0: power play a lot too. So he played, he's playing. He's playing a lot of minutes.
1: Yeah, um, I think but he they, leads
3: the NHL in, in the game on ice. Because
0: who else
1: is gonna be playing those things? I mean, Franson yeah. can only go forward. He can't go backwards. Wait, Ruslan leading in, in overall time on ice. I believe so. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, but uh, it's Gosh, like poor he, Buffalo. He, you look at the deployment for Buffalo, and it's just. I mean, Bogosian, uh, is it, like is uh, out for he was out there for. I think four goals four and two against. So he was like just whatever, he was like, whatever happens, happens and like fucking Fedin is that the guy's name? Is it Fedin Yeah. Fedun? Fedun, I think. Fedun. I mean, they're barely out there at all. I mean, it's just it's it's nuts how they're how they're trying to hold this defense together when they really only have two guys who can go who can actually defend really right. well.
0: Uh, and the other thing you know the other thing about about Soros now here here's and I I was really being facetious when I asked about Soros cuz to be honest a lot of it wasn't his fault and and we we did talk about Soros having some sort of a drop off I'm not sure what his save percentage on on the season is right now but it's still probably pretty good considering that game um you know but he did he stopped he stopped the only shot on the power play that that was on net and uh he made still made some good saves um and ultimately the predators have to not blow a four lead that's what that's what has to happen
1: yeah and and that just comes to to pressure and and taking a period off and i I still because we see we see it from laviolette i and we see from other coaches in the league it has been i think demonstrated pretty thoroughly that just taking your foot off the gas and saying okay we're gonna protect the net for the for the next 10 minutes while giving the other team freedom to do whatever they want is not a successful strategy the teams who really are dominant, they just keep going. Yeah, they do not stop. And granted, that's fatiguing, and you know maybe you've got to, you've got to find a balance there, but you certainly can't be putting your team in a position where they're going where the goal is going to get crowded. For um, I mean, because it, it, it's not like these goals were far apart; they were pretty packed together. Um, like, like I
0: remember last year, the Sharks were just they, they never stopped. The Sharks just kept coming and coming and coming all in every game. They they didn't let, let up on a lead, and that got them all the way to the Stanley Cup final.
1: Yeah, it's just it, 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 that that frustrated me, and and the fact that this was an overtime three and three loss and more bummer.s
0: So, by the way, in that game, uh, Forsberg scored um, the shorthanded goal to, to get the Preds on board first. Cody McLeod gets another goal. He has two goals, and I think he had one for all of his season can, with the Avalanche. Can, can I say something nice about the fourth line, please? do. Because I
1: never do. Okay, go um, ahead. So I want to say something. Nice about the fourth line, and looking at them this week and and last week, uh, it, it's it, they they very much are doing their job because when they're on the ice, yeah, the predators are probably not going to score goals, and we even saw them pick up. You know, we've seen McLeod, we've seen Jolondrcheck pick up some goals, which is a really nice bonus. But nothing really happens when they're in the ice, and that's great because that actually lets the other guys rest. You're not trying to ice four scoring lines. You're you're just like the coaches are like, all right, it's time to rest our good players. Let's send out the scrubs and let them have some fun. It's it's sort of like um you know, like the, the midget game in between periods they do sometimes. Except they're using the full length of the ice route yeah. and doing it, doing a kind of a halvesy thing. And you know, for a fourth line, <laughs> y- you kind of want it to be net neutral. No no goals scored, no goals uh scored against or for. Just let everyone get a breather, send out the scores again and make things happen. And
0: and try not to get a a, a defensive zone. Um, a stoppage,
1: try not to yeah, and try not to ice the puck. You know those sort of things. Just just chip it out, play simple things. Um, it's not really fun or exciting to watch, but it's part of the game and it's uh, involved with the line matching and things. And they've been doing a good job at doing that.
3: Yeah, they've been doing their jobs. It's not necessarily a job that I'm, you know, a super big fan of, but they've been doing what they've been asked to do, and they've chipped in a couple goals,
0: which is good. You don't like watching that kind of hockey, not at all. <laughs> well, I, it is it is
1: negative hockey. Yeah. It's it's like negative, unfun hockey. But occasionally, one of those guys will punch someone um, with some consensual fisticuffs, and everyone's like, "Yeah, playing I mean, the game the
0: right way." I mean, I think all three of I think. The goals that they've scored recently, with the exception of the Austin Watson has had a few that were look nice, but the Cody McLeod goal here, the shit goal against the Blue Jackets on Thursday are both just like, they're just the dirtiest, well, like well, they're, just they're, scrum goals. <laughs> they're, they're making, they're taking advantage of, of errors. You know,
1: the goaltender makes an error and some guy comes like skating and like his, his stick happens to be in the right position to, to, you know, poke the pocket in the net and he scores a goal and that's, you know, thumbs up, woohoo. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of an incidental bonus.
0: I also want to mention, I think my favorite goal of the year was scored in this game. No, it wasn't the Eichel overtime winner, although that was beautiful what he did. Um, the, my favorite goal was the, the James Neal goal to go up 4 2. And I loved it because of Cali Yarnkrook. So in this play, if you remember, Yarnkrook goes into the zone, controlled with the puck, and pulls off into space. Um, he doesn't try to do too much with it, but he, he gets his head up and he sees. Anthony Bateto biting up into the into the zone and looking like he's ready to shoot. I mean, he had he had he is in shooting position. But he doesn't go with that. He 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 sort of feigns, and then Bateto backs off and gets in his, his position because he sees that James Neal is peeling down the middle of the ice and is going to have a much better shot, is going to have a much better opportunity. It was just such a s- smart play from from Croak, who I think last week we kind of made fun and said he wasn't very creative. It was a very creative play and not one that a lot of other players make. A, a lot of players would just go straight to Boteto there because he was there, but he waited for the exact right play and James Neal scores.
1: If you watch the footage from um, the, the, you know, the, you know, the, uh, towards the, the Buffalo net, you can actually, and you can't see, cause I can't see it in the other way, but you can see, you know, Yarncrook has the space, like you mentioned, and he looks up and he just sees James Neal come mm-hmm. into the zone. And everyone started. Everyone else, all the Sabres are kind of getting a little around potato, which you know you're not a huge threat, right? And then it just all just clicks so beautifully. So I mean, that really is just a great little setup and great patience and and awareness. And that's I think that's really Yarn Croak's game. Because you're talking about his creativity, things like that. But I, I think Yarncroak, he makes really good decisions, which is why he's so trusted in so many different situations, is because his decision making is really, really good. And that's what that was. I was looking up, assessing a very rapidly evolving situation, and making the right decision. Uh, and I, I i mean, you're right. That's just a great, great play from uh, Yarncroke. And Neil's just going to, he's going to, whatever you give him, he's going to shoot. So
0: um, well done. W- w- and, you know, Yarncroak, since he was drafted, was was drafted as a playmaking center, and I think playmaking center winger. And I think, but over time he's been used as this sort of two-way forward. I think you got to see a little bit of really what I think his game could be in the future. Um, now let's talk about the the lead loss. So Brian Gianta gets a, a late goal. He um, was wide open on the back door. And then Ocposo gets a goal really late to tie it up at four. Um, there's not a whole lot to glean from those particular goals other than it's just kind of business as usual with the Predators sitting on a lead but in the overtime we've talked a lot about overtime being this sort of bugaboo for the Predators but it's just when things like this happen it it just makes it feel complete you feel completely helpless I mean Colin Wilson clearly forgot it was three on three because he's he's moving back he is expecting there to be a defenseman to his right and there's not and so Jack Eichel who's a great offensive player, moves into this open space and Colin Wilson is completely turned around and overcorrects and then Eichel has plenty of room to cut back inside. It's just, I mean, they they are definitely not any closer to figuring out three-on-three than we thought. Are they back to not
1: practicing three-on-three or did they just do three-on-three during the camp and stop after that? Like, we got a, we got a plan. Because uh, it still looks like they're trying to like play this like they're on the PK. Yeah. And you know, if Wilson was not spun the PK, he would expect a defensive to be over his shoulder. Exactly. Because you expect that fourth man to be out there. It just feels like they whatever they're doing at four on four, or what they would do at four on four, what they do at five on four, is what they're going to do at three on three. And it is so different. I don't know how this team hasn't realized how different this is.
3: They're saying they're practicing it. Like every so often you'll hear, you know, practice notes that they practice 3-on-3 today. Obviously it doesn't seem to be doing any good, but like you were just saying about, you know, their 4-on-4 play, they're acting so passively like they are, you know, a man short position. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's like their entire philosophy on how they're playing situations is just bad,
0: and they forget how to score. I mean, they, offensively, they don't. They one player. I mean, how many times has Forsberg tried to go th- between two players to try to score on the on the power, on the um, in three on three or or Yosi or Subban? They just try to go, you know, make some crazy play, but deeking between two players and then the pucks going the other way. It's just so frustrating. I yeah. I,
1: I kind of wonder about special teams sometimes because I, I think a lot in, in many cases. It's a echo chamber. Because, you know, when you're practicing the PK, who is pra- who who are you practicing against? Your power play. Right. When you're practicing the power play, you know, when you're practicing three and three, you're you're practicing against yourself on three on three. And what are you gonna what are you gonna do? All right, well, we keep losing to this style of three and three play. So we want you guys to play this way. Now, you guys are our actual three and three team. Play in our system, and then we'll keep working on that. And it's like I don't understand. How do you practice three on three and get it right if everything is wrong? Because <laughs> if, if you try to adopt a style that's more productive,
0: but then you keep doing it the wrong way, I would I mean, do like a joint, like said, it's, a joint it's, it's practice. It's an echo chamber. Yeah. A joint As, practice with the LA Kings because they do a pretty good job at it.
3: Yeah. I think they've won the most three on three overtimes, yeah. you know, since they put it in. And it is obviously that has a problem with practicing, but the problem is clearly their system. It's just. What, however they have it set up, you know, the decision-making the Fords are doing is just not good.
0: I'm almost thinking at this point you just need to go a different route entirely. Just, just uh, petition, try to get something changed where they don't do three-on-three overtime anymore. Because, <laughs> I mean, the, the players you have, the coaching staff you have, something is just not working, and so we've got to go another route. Just diplomacy. Try to, try to get it changed another way. I mean, because they're not changing it on the ice. But anyway, the, the Preds do get a point there, a pretty disappointing one because they had a four two lead with like ten minutes left. But um, and against you know not a great you know not a playoff team, the, the Sabers are Sabers got some good talent. I mean Jack Eichel, you saw that guy is amazing. He's he's got such a great shot and he's a great offensive talent. But Predators had no business losing that game. Fast forwarding to Thursday. Columbus Blue Jackets coming to town, and while it was really great to see them win fifteen in a row, they've kind of been basically a five hundred team since then. Are they back to earth? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no. I mean, they were
1: they were doing things like I think I hate to invoke this because I know it's very out of vogue and and uh, a very selective statistic, but I mean, like during that stretch, their PDO was like one hundred and eight. That's I mean everything, and you know Bobrovsky was stopping everything, which is not abnormal for Bobrovsky. But everything they put on net was going in. Yeah, I mean you just, everything. Everything was going right for 15 games, and now they're sort of the Columbus Blue Jackets with John Tortorella again.
3: Yeah, they had a 30 or 40 percent power play through their stretch, and you don't win 15 games in a row without being lucky. That's not a shot on them. That's just reality. Yeah. But I, mean, I think they're still a good team, but they're not you know best in the metropolitan good team.
0: Right. Yeah, especially since the Metropolitan may maybe the best division in the NHL right now. And they're still yeah. a playoff team. And so, I mean, they're definitely good. I, I think they're, they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, went, go past the first round. I don't think they're a deep playoff team just because of the, the overall build of their team. Know,
1: the NHL is weird. That for some reason, the NHL feels weird to me this year. I, I feel like we could see a very weird, very odd yeah. Stanley Cup final. Or it's going to be like Chicago versus Pittsburgh. Ducks versus Devils. That's what it's going to be.
3: Well, if you've if you've seen how <laughs> the madman if you've seen how the standings look right now, you you have basically I think Pittsburgh and Washington against each other in the first round, that sort of thing. So it could turn out where you have I don't know some bottom seated team going up against a random team from the wait, West. The
0: Devils are the last in the what? <laughs> just, it's I, probably game. I, I was picking a random team. <laughs> don't look into the stats there. Don't try to defend what I said. Stats you mean points? <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry, Those are, sorry, Mario. I just looked and I was like, wait, what?
3: No, the Devils are bad.
0: Yeah, the Devils are really bad. But you did say it was going to be a weird final. Well, yeah, but that, not an impossible final. <laughs> um all right, so the you know this one started out with uh, Brandon Saad who uh, I I got to admit I did not anticipate that Brandon Saad was going to leave Chicago and go to Columbus and succeed. I thought he was overachieving in in Chicago. And all of a sudden he's like a 30 goal scorer. And uh, I don't know, that guy that guy could just he just continues to get it done. He he moves into the high slot area with the puck and sent kind of a, a soft wrist shot on Renee that I think he just didn't see. But uh so it was one nothing. Um then Croak. This was the the Wilson's sort of crazy backhand pass. I think we've talked about this exact pass from Colin Wilson like all season long. It, it, this pass that he makes blindly from the corners. Where most of the time there's no one there, but every now and then it just works, and uh, it worked. And Kali Yarnkrogma had a great finish. I mean, he seems to be passing to somebody because it keeps any of the people sticks. Yeah, well, he's also made some that remember the one that he, that he got lucky on that I think ended up on well, the stick. Yeah, well, that
1: went off someone's skate, and yeah. you know, I, I think he was just trying to clear it out at that point. But uh, yeah, so I love so,
0: watching those goals. Yeah, so so Yarnkrogma uh, gets that with a really really nice finish on um, on Bobrovsky. Right. What if? What if, yeah. uh, what if
1: all this time the, the secret combination was Yarnkrok Wilson? What if that was the secret the
0: entire time? Well,
1: <laughs> Mari's expression <laughs> is fantastic.
0: <laughs> She's not buying it. I don't think. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see, let's. It worked in that game. We'll see it on see it on Tuesday against Pittsburgh. See yeah. what happens. Hey,
3: okay, it could work.
0: Solnercheck <laughs> gets a goal. Uh, another scrappy goal with the, on the McLeod line. Um, you know, here's the thing. If you uh, go out there, and we we talked about this. If you go out there and you fight more with your hockey stick than you do with your fists, uh, sometimes the puck goes in the net. So maybe don't just try to get in a fight every time you go out there, Cody. It,
1: it was so great because he's falling. It's one of those like in front of the just sho- like in front of the goaltender, just shoving the puck as hard as you can. You're also falling <laughs> over at the same time because yeah. some guy's trying to like murder you with a, with a cross check that's not you know
0: actually a cross check because the NHL doesn't because it's in front of the net. You can do anything. There. Yeah, you
1: can you can cross check anybody as long as it's
0: not a bad cross check. Um, you have to cross check the right way. And I loved how that goal, I mean, it was a good goal by about 2 centimeters. It just barely crosses. It's
3: just sort of leaked through probably's five. Yeah. Huh?
0: Yeah, I, we need a gif of that. That's a, was, that was a pretty good goal. Um, then Craig Smith, he appeared. Craig Smith is back. I think he's scored I think he has nine goals this year. But Yeah, he's got nine goals. I mean,
1: if if he's aiming for twenty goals and he's at nine right now, he's you know, he's gonna be right about where be, he used to be. I think, he'll, I think he'll finish with eighteen. I think so, that's my goal. <laughs> 19 and a half.
0: But he gets a goal on a really nice you know, Eckholm made this play. I mean, Eckholm had a great game in this one. He he uh skated through the def- the defense, wheels behind the net and makes a backhand, which Eckholm's got a great backhand. He scored a few goals on that. And um but Craig Smith goes to the front of the net and gets a gets a pretty easy easy finish on a wide open net. He also scored later to make it 4-2, but before that I want to mention one player. So Zach Wierenski gets a goal to put make it 3-2. So here's the th- here's my here's my beef right now. Zach Wierenski, is he's 19. He's in my opinion I think he should be a finalist for Calder. I don't know that he will be because of guys like Austin Matthews because of guys like Patrick Laine. Listen to this. All right, Aaron Ekblad won the Calder Trophy, finished with 12 goals, 27 assists. Zach Wierenski has 8 goals, 21 assists right now with like 30 games to go. Um, I doubt Wierenski even gets final, a final third, um, in the final three in terms of Calder Trophy, but I think he deserves it. He's been an amazing player. He's been playing with Seth Jones all year. Um, they're a really, really solid pair in the Eastern Conference So that's just my beef. I I think Zach Marinsky does definitely deserves more more praise and more Calder attention than uh, than than anyone else, other than Austin Matthews and Patrick Line. He's
3: definitely sorry. He's definitely benefited from being on a team that's been scoring. You know, with basically on every other shot that they've taken, and he is being carried a lot by Seth Jones a lot more than people are giving Jones credit for. Um, He should probably be a finalist, but you know, definitely not top two.
1: We can't still sure. Like he actually had to fight around Philip Forsberg. To get to that, to get that shot off. I mean, yeah. he, he he had to. I mean, and it wasn't as he skated around and around. He had yeah. to force his way around him, which is impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially a guy like Forsberg. But anyway, that was just my. I mean, I, I look at a guy like Zach Barintski, and and I think that um, I feel like he probably he probably should be. I mean, look, <laughs> Eckblad won it. Like kind of go, kind of running away. Um, but anyways, I made that point, and I'll just move on. Uh, <laughs> Craig Smith gets a goal where he uh somehow finds found space through uh through Bobrovsky I'm not really sure how that goal went in. But um again, Eckholm kinda makes this play. He builds this space. uh Craig Smith stretching the defense out wide and and pushes it and then Eckholm gets them gets in the puck back to him and uh Smith just kinda gets it through. You, I mean, any thoughts there? I mean I I think it was just an amazing play. I mean it's just a clean goal. I mean yeah.
1: It's the stuff that Craig Smith needs to be scoring, and everyone's like, you know, I got into like a big Twitter beef with somebody or, you know, you stick you stick him around with a bunch of guys who can't score and don't have like really good passing or really good finesse, and he's going to struggle. You put him with guys who actually have some offensive upside, and then his job is to shoot the puck, and you get in the puck and he shoots it right up by a guy's shoulder. It goes, it it slips in between the the shoulder and the and the uh, the crossbar and just goes in. and It's like. That's what he does. That's, that is all Craig Smith brings to the table. If you want to play defense, guess what? Too bad. That's not what he
0: does. He just scores really nice shots. <laughs> scores really nice goals. Right. <clears throat> so uh, uh, Ryan Murray gets a goal late, and this one, get, this one got really close, obviously. Last, 30, last two minutes, I think the entire last two minutes, the puck was in the Nashville zone for most of it. Um, they almost blew another lead. But they didn't, and they came away with a, a nice win. So to, to finish out the week. So uh, do you feel feel good about where the, where the Predators are at this point?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, outside of the uh, the rough ending to the Buffalo game, uh, I, I think the the week was very solid. I mean, certainly the the victory against Minnesota was a really nice treat, uh, especially being that comeback. And you know, they still get two. Uh, they they just they. Take their foot off the gas. I'm using the cliche because I can't remember the other phrase I was going to say. And it's it's cost them, and and it's gotten really scary at times. And they need to just simply not do that. Maybe that's the solution. Don't do that.
3: They're way too passive in six-on-five play. They need to like when they get the puck, all they're doing is shooting up the ice and not even aiming for the empty net. They need to carry it out, like like Colton Sissons tried to do and failed miserably.
0: Yeah. Right. All right, so uh, so that takes us through the end of this uh, the, the previous week. Um, well, of course, I, in a little while, we'll look ahead to the next week. But uh, before that, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to do some sort of mid-season Preds um, grades, look at maybe who the team MVP is to this point, uh, breakout player, uh, and some other things. So we're going to look at that, and we're also going to talk trades. Um, oh, boy. I don't think any of us think that the Preds are actually going to make any trades, but if they did... Let's talk about some of the players that they uh, they might trade for. So uh, we'll do that. When you come back, you listening to... These podcast.
2: days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999.
0: Welcome back to the Predcast. We are sitting here with Link and Maria, and we're discussing and Alex and and me. I'm Alex. I'm here too. Hey, we are talking all things Predators, and uh, since it's you know the All Star break is a is a good kind of break time in the in the year to kind of look back and and think about all right who where has this team been where 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 are they now and maybe where they're going. Um, in terms of where has this team been, I'd like to take a second here to think about try to grade out some of the Predators. Now, I'm not talking about going through every player here, but just thinking about who might be the team MVP at this point, who's a breakout player or two, who's disappointing uh, at this point, maybe uh, just some, some different players here and there. And I, I, let's start with the um, breakout. Uh, no, let's start with MVP because I think, I think I know who maybe some of us will say. Um, anybody want to start? Who, who's your team MVP for the Predators for the first sort of half of this season? I think this is. I think this is a, an easy one. Okay.
1: I, 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 I. For me, it has to be Philip Forsberg. Okay. I mean, he's scoring goals. He's getting assists. Even when he wasn't scoring and getting assists, he was playing really hard, doing a lot of the right things, being out there in any situation you needed him in. Uh, he's clearly leading this team. He's a lot of the, He's the, He's part of the spirit of the team. Uh, he, he's going to be in the driver's seat for the organization for the foreseeable future. And I, I think it's, I think he makes it clear whether he's he's scoring goals or not. And clearly, MVP for me.
3: Yeah, I really liked Philip Forsberg, but I decided not to give it to him. I'm going to give it to Matthias Eckholm. Ooh. He, he's been sort of the Predators' most steady defenseman with all the you know, injuries and turnover and just constantly moving up and down in the lineup. I can't really give it to a goalie because they've sort of, they've both been great, but they've very equally ha- handled the load. So I'm definitely going to give it to Matthias Eckholm.
0: Okay. Well, I, I, you guys did not go with the ones I thought you were going to. I, to me, it's, it's hands down Victor Arvidsson. I think it's Victor Arvidsson through and through. I think you see what this team looks like without him. And I see the, just. he I mean, he's one of the best players in the league at driving offense and considering where he, where this team could be without him. I don't see it up a, a way that Victor, Arv, that this team could be as good without Victor Arvidsson. Um, I do have a runner up. No, I do like, okay. I, I do. I mean, obviously I think your, your options are, are great too. Uh, Philip Forster would be my second. Um, I just think that Arvidsson does so much and and brings so much like heart and energy to the team. I see so many shifts out there where he goes out and lays everything on the line, and it really does seem to to make an impression on the rest of the team.
1: And I, I think the one person we should definitely mention in a MVP situation is is Ryan Johansson. Okay, um, you know he's like he's the and he's still the points leading he's leading point scorer for the team. And for some reason, everyone, everyone acts like he's kind of crappy. Yeah, like I don't
3: understand that. People are
1: so hard on him for the most part, <laughs> and he's leading in points. He's got, I think, what does he have? Like
0: twelve goals. He has eight goals, twenty-eight assists.
3: It's kind of fun because he's. I don't, don't. What do I, I have? Twelve, 12 and thirty.
1: Uh, oh wait, sorry. No, you're right. You're right. Sorry, I'm getting my things. He also has a ton of like
0: primary points. I mean. He leads the team in primary points, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah, he's been very, very good, but even for me, who doesn't see anything wrong with him, he's sort of invisible. Because when he's on the ice, I'm looking at Arvidsson, I'm looking at Forsberg, and he's just sort of out there doing his job.
1: He he just goes out there and he makes things happen, and people
0: are like, Johansson needs to step up his game. I'm like, he's leading in points. Here's here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. This is exactly what a top-line center does. He takes up a lot of space. He makes great passes. And he makes it so all these other players can score goals and be good, be good on the ice.
1: I think that's a great point because a lot of time when you say top-line center, people are thinking about the top-line centers who also happen to be the best players. Like Sidney Crosby. Like a Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is not just a top-line center. He is one of the all-time great exactly. forwards. So you
0: cannot compare the two. <laughs> or people think about just elite scorers like Ovechkin. Exactly. obviously yeah. Ryan Johansson is not Ovechkin but he's still an incredible top line center exactly yeah So, I,
1: I, I but I want to make sure he, I think he deserves a lot of recognition on um, an MVP vote because he just doesn't
0: get the attention I think he deserves a lot of times okay well that was good alright so we have differing opinions uh, offer us your opinions if you like it's, it's tweet us at us you know all that stuff at us at us <laughs> it doesn't sound as cool as it does on Twitter at me that just sounds weird. Okay, it does anyway. sound weird. Let's keep saying it. <laughs> break, break. Let's talk about breakout players. So I, he, there's some really interesting choices here, and I kind of went back and forth between uh, between a few of these. I'll, I'll, I'll give mine first. I actually think that mine, even though it's arguable whether it's a breakout year, I think mine is Ryan Ellis. Um, I think that for for a couple years now, Predators fans, you know, who really follow the team, kn- knew that Ryan Ellis was one of the better defensemen on the team. But I don't think that you know the rest of the league necessarily noticed that, and I don't think that just in general people knew that. Uh, but Ryan Ellis has been a just a, fo- a foundation of that def- of that defensive core this year. Um, um, amid Subban going down with injury, Yosi going down with injury, Shea Weber no longer in the picture, Matisse Ekholm, Ekholm at the beginning of the year maybe not being as present, and 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 also some shuffling around of the def- defense. Ryan Ellis has been pretty good through everywhere he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a good argument. I mean, when I um, when I
1: was looking at this, when I was going over what we were gonna do into my prep, I was thinking breakout player. I was immediately thinking young player or rookie or young player. That's and fair. So, yeah. so I want to do kind of two things here if I can kind of deviate and, and improvise. Yeah. So, because when I saw a breakout player, I'm like, it has to be Arvidsson. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, last yeah, year we saw <laughs> so much potential in him, and now he's you know through 47 games he's got 12 goals, 30 points. He, you know, I, I think you know, Alex, you put it. Beautifully, like all the things he does. When you're describing him for the MVP pick, um, and then I won't use my my alternate my alternate, cause I'm going to change it because okay. I now I'm going now I'm thinking about just players in general. And if we're if we're looking at it as a player who came in and kind of had had no to to kind of low expectations as far as a contribution versus what they've actually done, I think this is a great time to give a special nod to uh, Matt Irwin. Yep, because. Everyone just sort of matter when no one really cared. Like, we expected a rotation, you know, seventh defenseman, maybe with some, with guys like Potato and Granberg or whoever else is down there, um, at Weber, uh, Yannick Weber, of course. But he's just plugged in wherever you need him. He's played big minutes. He's been a, a driver of play. He's been good defensively. Uh, really kind of a breakout season for a guy who's, what, 28? Been around for a
0: while. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's been around a while.
3: I'm going to still give it to Victor Arvidson. He came in last year and he was okay. Uh, but I think he was a little bit weak, but like his overtime winning goal in the San Jose series.
0: Oh I watch it every day. I woke up, wake up every morning and watch that goal. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have a TV with that goal <laughs> plan. But that just
3: sort of shows you what he can do. And then he took the summer to work out, getting stronger, having a better shot. And he's just poured everything into the ice this year.
0: Yeah. So. There, there really are a lot of options. I feel like there's a lot of players that come out of nowhere, especially recently guys like Austin Watson. Uh, UC Saros is definitely capable of, of being in that conversation as well. Uh, I like the Matt Orwin pick, and I, I think a story like Matt Orwin really makes me happy because, you know, he's drafted by Boston, didn't really make it there, gets, goes to San Jose, is kind of back and forth between NHL, AHL, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, putting on top four minutes I mean, it, it, and, and doing it well. You really like a story like that, and then getting a second contract out of it. there was a, a beneath the ice episode that featured him and um, his wife girlfriend I'm not sure, and uh, they were talking about you know the amount that they've had to move and all these different changes, and then now he gets a contract it really make, it really makes you feel good for a guy like that. Mm-hmm.
3: He was basically out of the NHL last year and he comes into Nashville this year, and suddenly like you said he's playing top four minutes.
0: yeah um, let's talk about most disappointing um, since you started last time. I started last time. Maria, who's your most disappointing pred for the, uh, for the season so far?
3: Well, even though Link said earlier that he's sort of on pace to be a little bit under his career mark, i have to give it to Craig Smith. Okay. He just hasn't brought what I've expected out of him so far this year. And that could be, you know, deployment, who he's playing with, what we're sort of expecting out of him. But I just haven't seen out of him what I wanted to see this year.
1: Link? I, I think if you, if you forced me to pick a player... I would agree with Mario and say Craig Smith. Um, but the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, I, you know, I don't think it's entirely him. I think there might just be a little bit of bad luck involved. Um, I, th- I think my most disappointing player of the year is, is sending Field down to Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> that is my most disappointing player of the year. Right. Because uh, I really like I, I was looking and like the guys who, dis- who are playing poorly this year or struggling are guys I, I kind of expected to see playing poorly or struggling. So it's hard to be disappointed in, in those guys. Um why is Craig Smith is the only one I could be forced to answer just because he's not in the pace but there's no reason Fiala should be in Milwaukee right. there's no reason and 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 it just it bugs me um and it just seems like they just decide they don't have room for his style on the roster because they don't want to put him on the fourth or third line and I mean, they don't have room for him in the top two
0: we lines. May, we may talk about this in the trade talk but I mean uh, I, I, he seems like a trade yeah. piece at this point, right? Which is a, kind of a nightmare scenario because, yeah. like,
1: are you, are you seriously going to hold on to guys like Mike Ribero and hat playing Mike Ribero over Fiala because he's not the right? He, uh, granted, Ribeiro's a center, so I mean, eh.
3: yeah, but we picked him 11th overall just a couple of years ago, and if we're talking about trading him now because we just literally don't have room for him.
0: Well, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not saying I would trade him. I'm saying that it, it certainly seems like they're not going to use him for what he is, and if they're not going to use him now, you know what? What are they? What are they holding him for? Uh, yeah. so, so
1: that's, I mean, I kind of so that's kind of a kind of cop out. That's what I wrote down is yeah. saying field, but I think it,
0: forcing myself to do an answer, it's, it's Smith. Well, so my, my, I'm I'm actually going to cop out for real, uh, and and my my answer is not actually a player. It's a combination of players, and I think my disappointing, most disappointing is the the heralded PK Subban Roman Yosi combination that we were just you know salivating over in the summer, and all of a sudden it didn't work out. Now. A lot of it is... It, it's all because of injury. But it's not... It's just not something that we've seen work yet. That doesn't mean that in, you know, two weeks when Yoshi's back... Or a week when Yoshi's back. Or Tuesday when Yoshi's back. Who knows? Uh, that it, well, we won't see it and it'll work again. But it's disappointing to me that, you know, in, in the six... In the, whatever, three months or whatever that we got to just expect that. That um, that it hasn't worked out. And and we know that if, if Suba and Yossi can be a pair that works... We know that Ellis and Ekholm is a pair that works, and if you can get to that point, you're talking about a world-class top four defenseman. Right now, it's just kind of a good defense, but if, and that's all just because that that combination has worked out hasn't worked out. You
1: know, the challenge I would throw against that is is that you know if we're judging this off of defense, because I'm mean, going forward, I kind of say they're fine. Like I'm not worried about Yosi and, and Subban together going forward. I, I think that there's issues in the defensive zone, and I would argue, based on the on what we've seen across the season, injuries taken into account, the Predators just not organized well in the defensive zone, mm-hmm. no matter who's out there. So I, I you know, I, I I'll be interested in seeing because I think that yeah. is sort of a concern, and I think that's a very valid concern. But I wonder if there's, you know, I'm I'm going to yeah. keep being like I, you know, I've got some coaching questions mm-hmm. on on who's in charge of the defensive structure and why continues to struggle.
3: Yeah, I think it might actually take a full year. So, we're not sort of like the Ryan Johansson trade. We didn't really see what he could do until this year. I think it might take until next year to see Subban actually fully integrated into the system. Mm -hmm. Whether he decides whether he is played with the OC or not, I don't really care. I didn't have him with him to begin the season with, anyways. But I do think that whole, you know, sort of being lost in the defensive zone is a problem affecting all of the defense because they've had such a big piece taken out.
0: Okay. Well, you know, the good thing is there there wasn't, you know, when I looked at the list, there wasn't an obvious most disappointing. I mean, I guess I could I could totally see your your you guys going with Craig Smith makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the, it, that tells you a little bit about the, how the pre-season has gone. It's not like there's this this massive weight upon the team. Look, people want to, you know, not like Mike Barrow, which is fine. The guy has 21 assists and and really does a lot of things well in that regard. He's not He's not the worst player on the team. He's not the best player, and I'd be fine if they traded him tomorrow or today. But you know, someone like that isn't necessarily who I would pick as you know a disappointing player because he's doing exactly what Mike Carberry does—he just dishes assists and doesn't score, so doesn't ever shoot the puck.
3: Well, he also led directly to the four-three goal in the Buffalo game. Yeah,
0: he also gives up uh, gives up high-danger chances. Yeah, he gives up a lot of those. Um, all right, so we've talked about that. Let's let's talk trades. Let's just trade talk. Oh boy, hashtag trade talk. All right, so personally, I don't think the Preds are going to make any trades. What do you think? I have
1: no idea because, you know, what, what, what did Poyle do last year? He's like, well, here's Ryan Johansson. Here's P.K. Subban. Those were both pretty unexpected. Yeah. Um, even, and, even, and Poyle seems to like to make trades, too. Um, I mean, we, we saw his, some of them work out poorly. Some of them work out really well. Some of them work out extremely, extremely badly. Yeah. Um, some of them left us with Paul Gostad for in, in Nashville for years.
3: Hey, but apparently part of the, that trade brought us U C Soros, so I guess it couldn't be all bad.
1: How's
0: that?
3: I think we acquired a fourth round pick from Buffalo. Okay. That we used oh to well,
1: some- then I think about every bad thing we've ever <laughs> said about Gostad. Um, he brought you U C Soros. He was he was merely the uh, <laughs>
0: the one paving the way for the, for our savior U C Soros. Right. Um, well, the, the main name on the list of, of pretty much every team is Matt Duchene. Um, the Predators. I mean, no, no team in the league would turn down Matt Duchesne right now. The cost of Matt Duchesne seems very high. Uh, he's 26 years old. He's owed 6 million. He's through, he's signed through, uh, through 2019. So you'd have him for two years, including this one, actually three years, including this one. So two and a half years. He's, you know, he's a, a, he's a top line center on, on Colorado. He'd really probably be a second line centerman on most teams. Uh, 60 point guy can score 30 goals. Uh, does a lot of things well, but the cost is just—I mean, the last I heard, it was a top-line defenseman, a number-one a, a number pick, and a top prospect. That's what I heard, which is just—that's a lot to give up for, for, a, for that kind of a guy. Uh, I,
1: I know, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to give up, and also, I'm always—and and you can listen through archives of this show— I do not like these sort of huge multiplayer trades at the deadline— um I mean Nashville last year was a little unique in the fact that it was a one for one you know needs fulfilled but if you're if you feel like the difference between you succeeding in the playoffs and failing in the playoffs is trading significant assets to get Duchesne, that's concerning that means you feel you lack something so vital that you can get up these pieces, especially because it's not just a it's not a rental mm-hmm. so you, know, you have to think that hey we're gonna try to resign him or we can fit or are you giving up that much? to hold onto a player and then ha- and not be able to afford him in a couple of years and just lose him. Is it worth that? Is he, is he going to give you that much of a boost for what you're going to lose? So I'm never a huge fan of those. And, and certainly, I mean, Colorado, we hear that that's probably the negotiating starting point. You make that public and then you, you gauge who's interested and then you then negotiate from there. Uh, I don't know if they'd ever get that degree of return.
3: Yeah, that's a lot to ask for a player with that kind of salary. Even though he does have, you know, two years left after this one, but I think that's a summer trade.
0: That yeah, that's a good point. It, uh, right now, the Predators, if they were to do that, it would probably be either Ekholm or Ellis, probably Ekholm and Kamenev and a number one pick. Right now, I do not, I do not take that trade. <laughs> that is, that is a no, a hard no, just because of those those quality of players. Um, all right, so you know, but who knows? It'll probably happen tomorrow, and the Predators will have Matt Duchene, and I'll be happy, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, Not for what I know, they'd have to give up to get him. <laughs> so uh, another name on the list, um, Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, the, St. Louis, I, I doubt that they actually make this trade. but, but And he, inside division. And inside division. division uh, I would not be surprised if he's a New York Ranger by the time uh, the per- trade deadline comes and goes. He's $28, 5000000 million. It would be a rental. The, the Predators do not need another top four defenseman, assuming they get everyone healthy. Kevin Shattenkirk, no.
3: There's no reason to acquire him, and he's headed to New York as soon as the season's over.
0: Yeah. Or, or maybe in the, in the season, um, we talked a little bit about Shane Doan last week. Uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know how or why, but I think I just brought him up. But he's forty years old, two and a half million dollars. He would be a rental. You know, he could be a decent middle six scorer, but he's you know he's definitely had a significant drop off and, and not playing well on a on a bad coyote stand. I mean, You have to be like the top the best player in the Coyotes to really stand out, and he's definitely not that.
3: I think of all the players on the list, he's sort of the only one that I'd even throw you know a couple picks at.
0: I'm really? not really
3: interested in any. Yeah, I think he'd be okay, sort of as a you know third line winger. I could see him on the Fisher guy. on the Fisher line. Yeah,
1: I mean he's he's pretty old and he's yeah. pretty not good <laughs> and he's never been like an exceptional player. I, I mean, mean he's
3: McLeod's not great and he's also pretty old, but somehow he's managed to revitalize this lineup. Apparently,
1: we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're we're not going to have that conversation because <laughs> uh, that hurts inside um i just i've never been also i've been a critic of Doan for years i don't like how he, I, I, he's got he's got the everyone knows he has a reputation of being you know mr clean hockey boy but he's meanwhile get concussing people in the head outlaws, yeah um and he's never been an exceptional player. He's just spent all his time in Arizona and been, like, the only thing there. And he's in trade talks every year. He's been he's been a trade target for, like, ten years. Yeah, I mean, he just strikes me as someone who's kind of given up on ever getting a cup.
0: He's just going to, like, this is where I retire. Yeah, he, it's not like a guy that, you know, if he was to go to, I don't know, if he, if he was to, to go to Pittsburgh and win a cup, I, it's not like he'd be, like, oh, finally Shane Doan got a cup. He'd be like, oh, yeah, he of course. I guess he was going to get one eventually. Uh, staying with Coyotes, what about Radim Vrabada? If Radim Verbada is uh, thirty-five. He'd be he's a million dollars, which is super cheap. Thirty-four points in the season. Thirty-four points on the season. I would a put a bunch him, of like, those being goals. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how Verba doing this because
1: he's been he's been very effective at, at scoring points, even in even into his mid-thirties. Uh, I mean, he's probably going to be a hot commodity. If if Phoenix do not trade him, I would be shocked because um, this team uh, Phoenix is a long way i keep saying phoenix arizona is a long way from being a competitive team again Mm -hmm. and he's on a one year contract or he's got one year left in the contract and he's it's a million dollars super super tradable he's got the numbers they can pick up some assets in return for the long term i mean that just strikes me as being an a, a, a arizona thing to do
3: yeah i think that would be a great use of sort of those resources of flipping him at the at the deadline as a rental because like cause he has does have good numbers this season um and he's very cheap so i mean he's definitely something to acquire
1: yeah i mean and, and given like what he's if you say oh well you can either get Verbata or duchene i mean if if duchene goes first if duchene does go and he goes for a high price all of a sudden verbata's value skyrockets yeah because you're looking at a guy you just you just play him play him when you need to play him so he's you, gonna do his job he's he's a he's a hard
0: worker he, he's he's got a history of scoring points Deshane is sort of the domino. I mean, he's the, if he if when he gets traded, there's going to be a lot of other guys and a lot of other teams are going to want to capitalize. T- teams like Arizona and um, and maybe St. Louis that are, they're possibly looking to trade players are going to capitalize on that. Um, let's go to let's go to Detroit. Thomas Vanek is a, is a name that you've seen occasionally pop up. Um, thirty three, thirty three years old. Uh, two and two and a half million dollars. He would be a rental. He's uh, he's through this year. Um, potentially a 20 to 25 goal scorer if you're talking to Detroit or you're talking to Buffalo. But if you're talking to Minnesota, he's like a 10, 10 goal scorer. Uh, very risky pick, but. Well, he's not a risky pick because you have to think about how he's being deployed in Detroit. He is he's basically
1: a power play special in Detroit. That's where he scores his points. They stick on the power play for a few minutes. He plays you know, minutes throughout them, but he's, he is a power play scorer. So, if your issue is that we need help in the power play, um, we need maybe a little bit of extra depth scoring, and you know, we, we, can eat a, we can eat some salary for that and mm-hmm. not ship off much. Because I don't think, I mean, Detroit, for them to the benefit is just getting a few assets because he's, just got, he's probably going to retire or, or fade off at the end of the season, um, would be my guess
0: because he just panic you think he'll vanic.
1: well i he might give it one more go but mm-hmm. I mean, he basically is just he's a he's a special teams player he's a specialist um and there's just it's a lot to spend for a specialist um and he's his salary's gonna keep going down so maybe like maybe i can get a few more million dollars out of this before i'm done um i'm being a little be a little cynical and pessimistic. Jeez. What?
3: Yeah. While he is a power play specialist and our power play has not been great, you sort of think, okay, who's on our power play and who will we bump off to put him on it? And I really can't think of anybody, especially not on the first yeah. unit.
1: Yeah, I mean for Nashville I don't I don't think I mean, it makes much sense. For Barrow.
3: <laughs> he's on the second unit.
1: Okay, oh on the first unit. I mean I I don't know. I don't even you put him on the second unit. I mean, you, you need a is Van is for, he's a winger? Yeah. Yeah. So Definitely. I mean you're not even replacing ribero i mean that somebody else would be slotting in in favor of ribero so you're not even really unless you're losing that but,
0: but well it, it yeah it's neither here there here nor there i think i think vanic could could be an, an interesting picket two and a half million is a little pricey but they again it's just a rental so they've got the money to do that uh what about jerome McGinley? The the guy that kills the predators you know year in and year out would be a predator yeah, he's having a kind of, I mean, he's in Colorado, but he's still having
1: kind of a down year. Yeah, he I mean, he's he's finally starting to slow down somehow. Um, though the the part of me that likes the story said says, yeah, if you can get if he, if he's just looking for a team that's in the playoffs and he's going to come to Nashville for cheap, it'd be so cool to see Jerome McGinley in in gold, for sure. But. Is it a good trade?
3: I don't really think so. And I don't know how much they'd be asking for him besides, you know, like a late round pick, but he is very, very slow. So it's everything, you know, Badu said about Shane Dolan except he's less of a dirty player.
0: (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, He'd probably, I don't know if he'd, he'd even come score this, but he might be like a half a point per game kind of guy for 30 games. You know, you could get what, six, seven goals and a few assists out of him. I don't know. Who knows? But Uh, I I don't like the idea of adding the the one thing that holds me back from a guy like from guys like Doan. And again, I don't like adding yet another over 35 year old player on this team. Um, Look, Fisher's had a great season, but you you know, you just, you, when you, you risk too much when you keep throwing old legs out there in a young man's game. Um, Let's go with uh, Patrick Berglund. What about, so I, I, again, I don't think St. Louis does this. I don't definitely don't think they don't think they trade him in division. But uh, Berglund has been a name out there. He's you know he's a great defensive forward. Uh, he's a bigger guy, Swedish. You know we love Swedes. Um, what do you think about Patrick Berglund? I think he's a fine hockey player. What do you, <laughs> what, do you what do you think, Mario? Yeah,
3: I just don't know if I believe that St. Louis is going to be a seller at okay. this deadline.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think they want to be in the playoffs, and they need they need those guys to be effective.
0: Yeah.
3: Yes, even though they know that Shadencirk, for instance, is not resigning with them, I don't also, think they're partying with him either.
1: Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, Berglund is not cheap. He's yeah, not cheap thir- three point seven million. So I mean, for for a guy who's going to be playing depth minutes for a lot of teams that are going to be tra- would, would would potentially be trading for him. That's an expensive. That's an expensive yeah. acquisition if they yeah. even have the cap space. Right. I think the, I think the writers have what
0: like seven million in cap space. I don't think they have that much cap space. Six I think they seven?
3: have plenty for this year, but they're not going to have it going forward with right. Joey's new contract.
0: Right. 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 Um, let's finish up on. A trade that definitely yeah. will not happen, but would be cool. How much do they have? Did you right say? now, they've got $9 million, so Nine. they have a decent okay. amount. But next year, it's three point m- seven. Is that right. a
3: rolling total? Uh, it just says
1: current cap space. It
3: might have a lot to do with P.K. Subban um, and Yossi being on cur- IR. Current
1: cap space is a total sum of full cap values that are, that can be added to the team's roster and made compliant below the salary cap ceiling at season's end.
0: What, are you looking at... It's cap friendly. Oh, okay. Um, the, the the last one I was going to go to was uh, James Van Reams Dyke. So Don't tease me like that. It's <laughs> not. It's never going to happen.
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, let me. Let me just say, It's not going to happen because guy, the guy has thirty nine points in forty seven games, seventeen goals, twenty two assists. I mean, that's an. He's is, he is an elite player. If you acquire him, he's like when you, if you look at the price that that Connor was talking about for Duchesne, if you want Van Riemsdyk and you assume that that Duchesne amount is realistic and someone will, will make that, Van Riemsdyk is on another tier from that. I mean, this is a guy who's been good for a long time. I mean, he's still pretty young. He's at his peak scoring. Yeah, he's 27. 27. I mean, he's at his peak. I mean, you're, you're selling your team to pick up a guy like that. I still hate that Philadelphia traded him. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm sure it's not the case anymore you know that, that, that they have Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. But up until like last year, he was, he was their one of three untouchable players on that team. Right. I don't see the Leafs moving him at all, especially now that they're sort of you know, skating that playoff line.
1: Okay, all right. But, yes, yes, trade anybody except for Soros to you get do him. Do
3: not Forsberg or uh, Johansson.
0: Just because Maybe we're it's, uh, it's fair, while we definitely, while we're probably not sure that the Predators would make a trade, there are some goalie names out there. But I think the Predators at this point are definitely off the market in terms of goalies. There's no way they go inquire someone like uh, Halak or so, whoever else is on the market. I don't even know Grice. I think is on the market, but they're oh, not going to do that. Thomas Grice, poor guy. Yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to do that. Uh, Greatest German-born f- goaltender of all time. Finally figured out the goalie situation. They've got this sort of saros rene combination going, and so that's good um let's go to some twitter questions um we uh we threw this out i think we didn't get a ton of responses but we did get a few um, slackers i'd like to <laughs> um let's go with this uh at don don't know do we have a yossi update is this the last we've seen of him seventh concussion right <laughs> he is dead you'll <laughs> never
1: see yossi again
0: he's pretty, going back to sweden don is pretty dramatic don we need to calm me down it's not over for Roman Yossi. He will be a predator for several years. Poyle is finding a way to trade Yossi for Roger Federer. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, if, it, I see his point. I mean, like, seven concussions sounds like well, that's a pretty high number.
3: Yeah, his concussion history is very serious. Yeah. But right now, I think we should see him back maybe next week. Just sort of the, you know, Swiss hockey news rumors that have been circulating.
1: Right. is the go-to expert for Swiss hockey rumors.
3: Me that Google Someone's
0: got to watch that. Are you I still mean, running that Swiss hockey rumors website? <laughs> okay. Um, at Boyd underscore 1212 says, Many have asked for Duchesne as, to, as the second line center, which we just did. Um, assuming that doesn't happen, has Callie Yarncroak showed that he can fill that role with his recent play? I don't think Yarncroke's going to turn into Duchesne. I don't think that's on the table, but could he?
1: Yarncroke's already demonstrated that he can step into roles and, and be very effective. Um, I mean, the, the Predators cannot rely on, on Mike Ribeiro necessarily, um, especially as the season wears on. I mean, Rivera had a hot start to the season. It's hard to deny that he, he had a hot start and he picked up a lot of points. Uh, but he's definitely faded. He's definitely making a lot of mistakes. And if you want someone who's going to be consistent, who's not going to make a lot of mistakes, that's Cali Yarncroak. Uh, is he the guy you want to say is our second-line center? Like, that's his role? Uh, not really. I think he's like a third-line center,
0: second-line winger.
3: Yeah, I think he can sub in if we need him to for a game mm-hmm. or two. But he's like, like Link said, he's a third-line center, second-line winger.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see a scenario in which, like, if, if Mike Fisher gets injured, for example, and they need that second line to be centered by someone, I, I could see Yarnkark doing that. Uh, he would be th- all of a sudden thrust in a very different position, and uh, there would be a, some some room for for growth there. And I think it wouldn't be immediate, but... Um, you know, we all like yarn crook. There's, no, you're not going to find a, a bad word spoken about yarn crook on this show because we we like we like Cali. Um, I want to go to this one. This now, this question is a pretty in-depth question. There's no way we're going to be able to really tackle this to, completely. But mm. uh, at Kyle Hancock asks, who is on your dream team of hockey? Um, I'll start because I I think that there's you know if I if I was centering if I was starting a team right now with any player in in history. Um, I might start it with Steve Eiserman because Steve Iserman what basically created what the Red Wings are now. Um, because they were great for for you know the early '90s and they were very very good. But he was you know for whatever reason people thought that you know Eiserman couldn't win the big game, and uh, he basically created them into what they are now and made sort of Detroit this this hockey town that it is. Now obviously Gordy Howe did that first, but he recreated it. And I think Steve Eiserman is a guy that, that could do so much on the ice, ne- did not have a weakness in his game, and was a great leader uh, on the ice as well. So I, I would go Steve Eiserman as, as one of my guys. Um, in goal, well, I don't know. I, goal, goalies are so tricky because there's so many eras, and the, the, the goalies can change so much. Um, I, I've always liked Martin Breder. But I think we'll have some disagreement on uh, goalies there. But uh, what, what about you guys? Who would be on your dream team? Who, who's the first name that comes to your mind when you think of your dream team?
3: I don't know. I think more of, you know, current active players. It's like I really like Oveshkin for, you know, left wing goal scorer. Connor McDavid is the up and coming first line center. That sort of thing.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I I, mean, I think, again, goaltender is difficult. So I'm going to go with my tried and true Cesaros just because. <laughs> That's my freebie. That's just for me.
0: That's for me. You see, greatest goalie I, but of all time. I, I like,
1: this, when you go, this like it's easy just to pull the best names. And if I think of guys who I think could be successful in today's game, I'm going to keep. I'm going to go with Mario and say o, Ovi, left wing, and then I'm going to pick two centers because I mean, you just have to. And I mean Lemieux Lindros. Okay. I mean, I, I definitely because I, the reason you don't know pick Gretzky is you know he, may, he he the physicality of things or the way that yeah. the way goaltenders play now may just make it more difficult. I mean, granted, I probably had the wrong decision, but, you know, it's my choice, and yeah, I do no, love Lindros.
0: So it, it's, uh, talk about Lindros, because I know, I know that as a Flyer fan, I'm sure that that's, that's part of it, right? I mean, Well, has to it, be. if it were no, – yeah, but so I, I still think if it were not for the com- repeated headshots
1: that he was forced to endure through his career, he would easily be in the conversation for one of the best forwards of all time. Okay. I mean, the rate he, that, that he put points up in the core of the dead puck era – was ridiculous i mean he just went out there and just scored goals and made things happen and the only reason his career was so short and his numbers were so relatively low um are because of of the concussions i mean right. his i i unfortunately i should have pulled if i if i'd known this question was coming I would have pulled his points per 60 <laughs> because i would imagine if someone if they pulled out his points per 60 had to be off the charts yeah um and then in the back i mean i think you have to go, like paul Coffey. i mean such a fantastic defenseman yep. and then Lindstrom. i mean okay the guy could be playing i mean i, I have to agree he could he, he might not be great but he could be playing today and, and probably be better than a lot of defensemen who were out there night night out mm-hmm. i mean the guy was a rock um he had that same he had that same ability that pronger had where mm-hmm. he just seems like he, he's he can play forever because he was always in the right spot he needed to be in his game was all about positioning but he also had the ability to make, move the puck um so fantastic
0: uh, just to finish up my my sort of line here. It's kind of an odd line, but uh, I would I would also put Timmy Salani on there. I think Timmy Salani is just a he's a a world-class p- person and player and uh transcends hockey in a lot of ways. Um and in terms of like just just pure on-ice talent, I would also go with Joe Sakic. I think Joe Sakic had one of the best wrist shots in the game and I uh, did it for so long. He was a, and he was a great great leader on that Colorado team. So, um very very different just different choices. You're going with all the young cats and you're going with some some older guys and some and uh, I'm making a team that really doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Iserman Solani and Joe Sakik, but um, all right. I didn't even pick a defense because there's just so many, but Bobby Orr, I'd go with that. So much mini defense. The the original puck moving defenseman, Bobby Orr. Anything else? You wanna to add to that? I've named my whole lineup. Okay. Who'd your who'd your goalie be? Who would you pick your, you can pick any goalie. I already picked my goalie. I know you. I'm sorry.
3: Hmm. If it was all-time, I guess I would go with Hasek, because like we said last oh, week.
0: He's so, <laughs> he's so
1: good. He's really, really good. Objectively, that's the right answer. I mean, if you're okay. looking for an answer, that's the right one.
3: Hmm. I'm trying to think for this year. So Crawford's kind of gotten terrible, and he's not a good choice. To Eh, I kind of like Mason. When Mason's on his good, he's great. But some, he's not always on his good. So no. There's a lot of choices out there.
1: Okay. Maybe just for kicks and giggles, you know, with Priskyloff?
0: Briscoll.
3: Yeah. Well, he's in California right now. Yeah, he's
0: a lot of fun. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch on Twitter, that's for sure. Yeah, he's re-emerged. He's yeah. certainly re-emerged. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this guy has some good questions. Someone asked about Liverpool, and uh, Link banned me from talking about Liverpool on this you show. You banned so. yourself, if I recall properly. <laughs> um, well, just because I don't care about the FA Cup, which apparently is, makes me a bad fan. It does. So uh, we'll uh, close up the, the Twitter tweet bag close it up and uh (laughs) the tweet bag (laughs) sounds so so awful (laughs) hashtag tweet bag (laughs) we'll take a look at the uh, week ahead the Predators play three games they go to Pittsburgh to play the defending cup champs in their own house they go to at Pittsburgh on Tuesday 6 p.m start go to at Pittsburgh whatever they go to they go to Pittsburgh to play the Penguins and then Thursday they play the Oilers at home so we'll get to see Connor McDreamy uh at home and then Red Wings Saturday, nice my Red Wings. I love that Detroit games are on Saturdays, man. It's so much fun. Just a classic Detroit Nashville matchup on a Saturday. Get that, get some Red Wing fans in there, and get them to spend some money, and then we'll beat their team because they're not very good. Hopefully, we'll beat their team.
3: Knocking on wood over here.
0: Yeah, I know. I better find some. So, all right. What do you think this this week? Uh, are you feeling good about this week? It's, it's a tough, some tough matchups here. I mean at Pittsburgh uh, I'm I'm a paired, a prepared a
1: let me try that again I'm prepared to just d- to turn off my TV in disgust at least once that's that's <laughs> yeah. my measure I'm like I'm going to I'm going to hit the power button and just walk away at least once this week <laughs> yeah
3: i think Pittsburgh has one of the best home records in the league i think this season i'm not 100% on that but getting a win there will be really hard on thursday if Watson can just not fight Milan Lucic. It'll
0: yeah, be a right. successful game. That's a, that's a great point, yeah. And that's then, but th- narratives, Mario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, do you, what are the odds Watson gets scratched on Thursday? What if he gets scratched in a... Oh, super invisibly low. They go with yeah, the seventh defenseman. And about as low. likely
1: as the Predators trading for James Van
0: Riemsen. You know, back. we haven't mentioned this, but wh- why, does Brad, why is Brad Hunt here? Is he just, is he just a, a, a press box guy? Brad Hunt. Is he, wait, is he on the Predators? Yeah, he's been on the Did, Predators for like two weeks.
3: Did they pick him up on waivers? Where or? did he come
0: from? He was St. Louis.
3: Did he just show up?
1: Oh, He's yeah. He's been
0: scratched every game. I remember that now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe there was like both of them, both teams wanted, and he signed with St. Louis, and now Nashville's like, ha-ha, we have him.
0: I mean, it's, it's really bizarre. I mean, I guess it was just a Forgot it was God, he emergency. was there. Well,
3: it's like they were picking up a player off waivers like yeah. once a week, so it was just sort I mean, of lost They have $9 in the million
0: dollars in cap space right now.
3: They might as well.
0: <laughs> so, um, by the way, I think if, if at any point, um, my prediction is that the angry shutting off of the tv will happen within the first five minutes of the pittsburgh game on tuesday
1: oh that's a little early i think I mean, it's gonna happen even i'm more patient than that i could see i could see a goal something the only way that's gonna happen is if it's pekka and net and he tries to do one of his dupe dupley do stick handling things and it just Sidney crosby is like
0: standing there being like why are you trying to like deke me do you guys remember <laughs> last year's all-star game Pecorine got a delay of game penalty. Yes, Do you remember I remember this? that. Gosh. I had that reminder today, and I was like, I, I I, just now remembered that Pecorine got a delay of game penalty in the All-Star game. Because and I think apparently, they
3: scored. I'm not sure if they did or not, but apparently you still can't play the trapezoid during the All-Star game.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, Pecorine. Stop playing with the puck. Just stop it from going in the goal, please. All right. I think that's it. I think that's all we got. Uh, thanks for listening to the show as usual. Um, you can follow the show at ontheforetech.com You can, wow. at onthefortech is the Twitter, onthefortech.com is the website. Uh, you can follow me at Darty one You can follow him at, him as in link, at 3 link. You can follow Maria at underscore Maria underscore K. And um, thank you very much for, for listening to the show. We appreciate doing it. And uh, we like, we, we do appreciate doing it. I have, I'm full of appreciation right now. We appreciate you and we like doing it, so um, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. And we appreciate you doing this, Alex. Well. you know, I'm here. Oh. Aww. <laughs>